The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Hey, welcome into the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. We are live. We are in studio. It is Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, that is. Demi Lachey's here in studio. Dougie B is here on the line as well, and Kwame Lasseter is out. Um, he is out of studio. He shall be calling in here fairly soon. Uh, Dougie B, I hope you're feeling so much better, man. Glad to hear from you. Glad for you to be joining on the show here, buddy. I know, man. It's good. It's good. Uh, it was a good day yesterday, man. Opening day for MLB, NCAA championship. But, yeah, I'm feeling very a little sore, but not bad. Oh, yeah. It was a great day. Um, definitely all the sports. Uh, a lot of sports to catch up on, talk about. Of course, there's always some buzzing NFL news. But I think yesterday definitely belonged to the Major League Baseball. Um, yesterday was definitely baseball day. And there was also, like you said, National Championship game. Uh, I would like to jump off talking about that first. Definitely to uh, do respect for congrats to the Duke Blue Devils and winning their fifth national title under Coach Coach K. Um I mean it was it was a great all around game. I was hoping for no you know, no blowout. I wanted it to be a good game and that's definitely what stepped up to the plate and uh watching that game man, I thought I honestly thought Wisconsin was gonna take it if the game was close, uh just because of their leadership and then Big Okafor got in foul trouble. And so I was just feeling, you know, this is Wisconsin's kind of game. They take out this, the star player, he gets in foul trouble or is not playing up to par. They take out the big man. And again, kind of like how they did Kentucky with Willie Collerstein. I mean, he just disappeared from the Final Four. I don't even know if he even made that trip to Indianapolis. But the same deal would happen with Okafor. He got in foul trouble. He sat that whole second half and. You know, at that point, it was like, okay, this is Wisconsin's game. They did what they wanted. They did what they were supposed to do. In my standpoint, if you, you know, get Big Okafor in foul trouble, Duke is going to be in, they're going to be in trouble. And they definitely proved me wrong. It was a kid off the bench in Grayson Allen who came to part. He came to, uh, he came to play. And he did it from the get go. From, you know, the second half, he wasn't as, first half, he wasn't as aggressive as he was in the second half. And that was clearly obvious. And, Second half, that kid just went off. He brought the energy. Not only that, who closed up the game was another freshman. And Grayson Allen is a true freshman. And the other true freshman, Tyus Jones, I mean, he just tore up Wisconsin. He just he was giving it to the, every guard that stepped up in his face. You know, Wisconsin's known as a defensive team, but especially on the guard uh, defending-wise. But Tyus Jones came to life. He came to your living room, a household name. And two freshmen stepped up and won that game for Duke. What's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, going into that into the game, I kind of thought Wisconsin was going to pull away um, and take it, especially because Duke had 
had some stuff coming in, you know, as far as the past goes. And granted, the past is the past, but Duke was, I think, the underdog just because of the previous history with uh, Coach K and everything else. But uh, definitely, man, coming in halftime, tied up at 31, and Duke pulled it out, man. And then, yeah, you talk about Tyus, man, 23 points. He actually led um, all this, you know, all the players for Duke. I think the closest one after that was uh, Grayson Allen at 16 points, and he came off the bench to provide 16 points. And then you have Matt Jones, which is one of their starting guards, to score zero points. I mean, it just it was definitely a different uh, Duke team that we saw throughout the tournament. And then even with uh, you know, big old Frank um, still had what 21 points. So it just uh, it just came down to that second half, man, and. You could see Duke wanted it just a little bit more than Wisconsin did. And I think there was some coaching with Wisconsin that, um, looking at some of the comments and stuff like that, it looked like it was Wisconsin's team and their just the chemistry and the coaching from the whole tournament kind of turned last night, uh, last night on the last game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who knows? I wasn't there, but from what I saw, it was, it was definitely a championship game. I mean, you know, a five-point victory, that's what you kind of, you know, hope for. You don't want that blowout. And it proved to be a good championship game. And number one against number one, so it all worked out pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And going back, like you were stating to your point about the coaching, I think that definitely had a big issue throughout the game as well, especially that second half. I mean, you got you already have a you know more mature team out there in Wisconsin, and you know I was fairly surprised at the end of the game and thinking about the coaching coaching aspect of it. He really coached Bo Ryan kind of got out coached by Coach K for sure. And oh, yeah. it wasn't, you know, the tic-tac, the X's and O's, but it it came down to, you know, who, is, who can present to their team to be aggressive for longer than a two-minute stretch. Because they kept going back and forth for Wisconsin would make a run, Duke would make a run. You know, every two minutes, each team would go back and forth. And Duke finally put it together for, I think, what, the last six minutes? I mean, it was it was just straight up who was more aggressive. And Coach K, during his timeouts, he was really getting those guys' face, giving those guys a lot of energy. And it's crazy how he motivated, you know, a couple of freshmen more than, you know, a couple of seniors on the other side of the court in the other jerseys. I mean, you know, some of these guys are playing their last basketball games ever. You know, they can be. When you have freshmen on the other end, you know that they're coming back, especially with not, you know, high NBA praise for right now, but, I, I definitely think Grayson Allen made his standpoint. I was texting one of my good friends, uh, James, the other last night, and you know he was mentioning, "Yo, this kid is the next coming of of a JJ Redick type of sort." The way he brought that energy, you know, off a of bench. I mean, to drop sixteen in the national championship game, I don't think he scored over ten throughout the whole tournament. And you know, with him giving him so much praise, it was just like. Wow, like what like to get praised as a JJ Reddick, the way he took over that game was just you know, it was a JJ Reddick like and Wisconsin had nothing to do to stop that. And you know, congrats, like I said, to Coach K, fifth national title, you know, since him being at Duke. Where did you know, he's been regarded as the greatest coach, the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Does he has that standpoint it was this national championship game was this number five his standpoint of I'm the best coach that that's done it that's doing it and that's going to be here 
you know, until I retire, until I'm done, I'm the best one that's ever done it. Do you feel that statement belongs to Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils? I believe so, because look at what Coach K's done, just not the championships, but what he's done with Duke and, you know, his tenure as a coach. I would like to see Kentucky and Duke together because that would have kind of solidified a little bit more with uh, Calipari going against Coach K. But, I mean, if you look at his resume, there's no doubt that he's one of the best college coaches, if not the best college coach ever, you know, especially in our lifetime. But if you think college basketball, one of the top teams that comes up to mind is what? Duke. And the top college coach, Coach K. Always always the top of the uh you know, the topics of any college basketball topic, whether it's players, teams, it's always going to be Duke and it's always going to be Coach K. Um, it's just one of those guys, they're kind of like the powerhouse for college basketball. You know how some down years, but usually not, especially with the freshmen. Look what they're going to do next year. I mean, they're going to be coming back and they're going to be probably favorites to be in the championship again next year. You know, and that's, I think, what Coach K does is just, always is in that moment to bring players up, recruit those players, and just that steady flow of players coming through to put themselves in that position. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, it's just, I don't see I don't see any argument you can give me that would not tell me Coach K is the best coach in college basketball. Well, there's always, you know, we're talking of all time. I mean, right now, yeah, no doubt about it. Coach K is definitely that guy that, Best coach, uh, Kyle Perry may have something to say about that, but uh, yeah, I mean, no one does it better than Coach K, especially in a tournament. He figures he motivates his team to the point, you know, you don't have to win the regular season tournament, you don't have to win, you know, a conference championship tournament. Just come to play in, in the regular season tournament, and you know that they have the talent year in and year out. They don't really necessarily have that year where it's like, okay, we need to reload or we need to rebuild. They come strong every single year. So he does a great job in recruiting and getting kids to come back. Like a kid like Grayson Allen, you you have him, you know, at a, like a Kentucky or a Kansas where he has a huge championship game and they're talking, oh, he can play in the NBA right now or has a great, you know, a couple of games. And then he puts his name in the, in the draft and then, you know, rides somebody's bench. Whereas at Duke, most of the time, I mean, you you know, the kid will have one great game. He comes back and builds on that. Like, in four years, I can see Grayson Allen being a top-ten pick. Uh, you know, he's he's pretty athletic. He's, he's smooth, and he's young. And obviously, he's aggressive when the game gets tight, which, you know, which is hard to teach. And Coach K does a tremendous job of doing that. Now, to call him the greatest coach of all time, I'm not sure yet. I know, I'm not sure just not yet because – you know, of course, uh, John Wooden won 10 national championships, did what he well, did at yeah. UCLA back yeah, then, uh, right? But at the so, same time, it's, you know, it's a whole nother ball game now. And, you know, I always praise for, you know, the game has changed and people's like, well, the rules have made it easier, the three-point line. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's it's how the game is. If you're dominating the game and where it is today with bigger, stronger, quicker athletes, in my standpoint, all around, not just that one you know, not just that one program, not just one or two teams have the best players and then everyone else is, you know, just competing just for second place. Like, I I think the playing field is more even now. Coach K didn't go undefeated. He, he, has, he has never went coach the team that went 38-0, 39-0, whatever, 40-0. He has never done that. But 
so that 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 comes to the standpoint of how even the ball game is uh, in the college basketball. How any given night, you know, in the tournament run, he, he's been knocked out of so many rounds. You know, first round, second round, and right. but at the same time, it's year after year he's putting himself up there. And so, yeah, I, I kind of concur with you. You know, stating that this that he can be, could be the greatest coach of all time. Uh, you know, having five, five titles, I mean, that's just incredible. He's undefeated at the state of, in the state of Indiana, playing at Indianapolis Final Four at three and zero. I mean, what what more does he have to prove? I wonder how much longer he has until he's done, because he's getting up there oh, in age. He's getting up there in age, but he's he's still got ten plus years he can coach. Ten plus years? Oh, easily. Look, look at Dean Smith. How old he was? Look at granted, we're talking, you know, uh, football. But look at some of the you know Lou with uh, Notre Dame. I mean, he's got he's not he's old, but he's not that old. You know, he can coach, especially with basketball. He can coach up into your eighties if you really want to. Mm-hmm. And I think he's what maybe in his fifties, maybe sixties. Yeah, I think he's. I think Coach K is in his late sixties, so he's on his way. <laughs> That's. What, I mean, he still he still looks forty. He still looks forty. But turtles out there on a stretcher, you know, still coaching. So. Yeah, Coach K has still got some years if he wants to. Yeah, but so. Coach Paterno really wasn't coaching. It was more of those assistants <laughs> than anything. He stopped about 15 years before his retirement, before the whole scandal True. popped out. But, you know, we'll you know we'll see. And, you know, congratulate to Coach K and Duke. And do you feel like that Duke Blue Devils was the number one overall team this basketball season? Yeah. You know, it's hard to say because, like I said, I, I really want to see Kentucky. But at the same time, I mean, you got to give it to Wisconsin. Granted, we've kind of gone back and forth because some of the, the calls. But I think the calls went both ways in that game. Um, so with Wisconsin being Kentucky and bringing it, I mean, it's really hard to say as far as are they the true number one team. Well, I mean, they won the championship. Mm-hmm. They're out there. You know, they are the champions. But... Uh, with Kentucky, I still look back at Kentucky's undefeated season and say they didn't consistently play top-tier teams, top-five, top-ten teams. So even though they're undefeated, they weren't playing those top-notch teams to truly give me that respect of, hey, you were undefeated, you are balling it out against these top teams because what happened with Wisconsin, they got beat. And there was a couple of close games. Look at that Notre Dame game. I mean, they almost lost to Notre Dame. So, to me, Kentucky, I would say, was a little bit overrated, just for that fact what I mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I can't take away from Duke from getting all the way through the champions, uh, all the way through the brackets to the championship and coming away with that Wisconsin win. So, um, I mean, I would put them, to answer your question, I'd say, yeah, they're, they're the top ten, uh, top team. But Wisconsin, Duke, North Dame are all close behind. Within those four teams, any of those four teams could have won that game. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my opinion. I, I think, yeah, I think the number one team definitely took a loss the other night against Wisconsin, which was Kentucky this season. And you know that's just the that's just the way the tournament goes. No disrespect, not taking anything away from Duke, which highly deserve it, deserve it, their title run. Um, but I think all around this whole season, it, it came down to Kentucky. I think they were the better team. And it just, this just shows you, 
you know, the concept of, you know, the NCAA tournament and how it's, you know, put together, how they, you know, structure tight certain teams and certain regions and areas. You know, some people have an easier way. I think Kentucky had a tough way with Wisconsin on their side of the bracket. Imagine if Kentucky would have had a way where they had to play a Michigan State or a, you know, Gonzaga to get into the Final Four. I, I think the games would have been, you know, more towards Kentucky's way where they had to go through, you know, some tougher teams on my standpoint. And they and they did it until they came down to Wisconsin. And, you know, they they had that kid who suffered, you know, ACL injury, Alex Pointeris, earlier in the year, and he was out the whole season. So imagine if they had that piece in there as well. You know, who knows? But I, I really believe, you know, the best team this year did not win the NCAA championship. The coach, the better coach did, for sure. And Coach K leading so you're, them away. You're saying Kentucky would have beat Duke? If it was a championship between them two, I mean, Duke deserves the championship. Yeah, they they deserve to win the tournament. But are they the best team in college basketball this season? You know, because that's the way it's looked at. You know, NBA team wins the NBA championship, NFL team wins the NFL Super Bowl. Then you look at them like, are they the best team in football that season? Can you really believe that? Can you really believe the Patriots were the best team? Can you believe that? You know, the Spurs were the best team in basketball. Do you believe the Duke Blue Devils were the best team? I'm not sure. Not this season. I I still believe Kentucky were was the best team. They got Coach Calipari was doing his uh uh what is the Hall of Fame introductory he had his ceremony and you know he mentioned five to seven guys are gonna be gone off that team. Five to seven yeah. to jump into the NBA, which I'm not, you know, surprised or anything. Um but that's that's a significant number. That's you know that's your starting five plus two off the bench. And I mean, if you look at Wisconsin, they only played seven. Right. So exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's a rebuilding of a whole team. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what's going to happen with Kentucky next year. Uh, well, I and you know what? He's known to rebuild. He has, of course, one of the top recruiting classes coming in to his to his program. But he loses a lot of. You know, older guys, Willie Collistein, the Harrison Twins. I think they're going to jump to the NBA, and you know, the, you you lose you know three of your top players who've been there past two years who really help keep the program alive, keep them to back to back Final Four runs, and and what national championship run their freshman year. So uh, we'll see where Kentucky goes if they can pull a comeback or pull in, uh, you know, a, a group that could take them to a national championship, to a Final Four, kind of like how Duke did, we'll see. Because I was not expecting Duke to make it a national. I, I wasn't expecting them to win the national championship this, this season. Yeah, they had the best player in the country or the best big man coming out of high school and probably the number one overall pick. But, you know, I did not see NCAA championship team into the tournament, and they proved it. They were playing great basketball throughout the whole tournament. Now we're going to take a quick break. After the break, uh, we're going to – Get more into, you know, it's a lot of sports talk that went around, a lot of sports news that went around yesterday. Uh, we could talk more about the MLB um, kicking off their season and some NFL news as well. You listen to the Kwame Last of the Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports 
The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports welcome back welcome back welcome back Carmen Lasseter sports talk live we are back in studio. Demi Lachey is here in studio. Dougie B is here on the line with me, joining in on the show. You can join in anytime, calling in at 888-346-9144. Join the show anytime. T- today is Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. I know I need to grab me a few tacos. I ate so much of that Easter food. Now I'm ready to get back to uh, unhealthy taco eating Tuesday for me. I don't know if Dougie B is going to join me. I know he's still... Repairing himself from surgery. How, how's that ice feeling, man? I know that ice is killing you. Uh, the ice was only like 24 hours. Oh, it was only so, 24? Oh. I thought it was, yeah. you had to do that for a week. No, no, just 24 hours. So oh. that's been done and over with. Now it's just, re- just relaxing and repairing. <laughs> Recovery, <rehab>. huh? <laughs> but no, I've been eating pretty crappy, man. So once I can lift again... <laughs> Back in the gym and on the treadmill. I heard that. I heard so, that. Yes. So we, we will go MLB. We want to go football. We want to hit. We're gonna do. We're gonna take it this way. Yesterday, tip my hat off to MLB, to the game of baseball, America's pastime sport. Game of baseball. Yesterday was the greatest. What they say is one of the greatest days in sports history is opening day. Um. I never experienced opening day of baseball before a day in my life because we never had a you know a national baseball league team in Indiana in the state of Indiana or Indianapolis. I mean, I caught a couple of Reds games or you know drove down to a Cardinals game, St. Louis Cardinals. But to be a part of opening day experience yesterday was amazing. Um, I was definitely down there down downtown Phoenix. Uh, 
a lot of events going on before and after the game and during the game. I mean, it was amazing to see that crowd, to see, you know, for a team like the Diamond, Arizona Diamondbacks, who were the worst team in baseball last year on record, and then hosting, I think a lot of it had to do with hosting the world the world champs and uh, San Francisco Giants and watching Bumgarner come out on the mound, who was one of my favorites. I think he, he's a beast, man. The way he controls, you know, the ball, the baseball that he throws and the speed, the velocity of it. He is definitely one of my favorites, and I chose him to win the Cy Young this season as a sleeper on yesterday's show. But just being around, you know, that opening day atmosphere was was incredible. And, you know, the crowd, I think it was about like 40, I think it was about 40,000 that came out. I mean, the place was packed. And oh yeah, it was it was it was a great sight to see, and not only there but across the whole league of baseball. It was a yeah, bunch. And of... looking at you know, I was watching the game from the house last night because mm-hmm. no one called me to go. Because um, you got surgery, you you're repairing yourself. I can walk though. That's fine. I can walk <laughs> and sit and watch the game just fine. Anyways, we'll get into that later. <laughs> so, you know, and the thing is, watching the watching the game on TV with Bumgarner. His delivery is so different than a lot of the pitchers because if you actually watch his delivery, I mean, he's turning around almost 180 degrees. As a batter, you cannot see that ball coming like a normal pitcher. And so it's hard as a batter to really read those pitches until it's almost too late. You know, it's almost like you're going up there blind. Um, You know, and I think that's why Bumgarner has such a success. But on the other hand, at 24 years old, the way he's able to throw, especially last year, and that's what I want to look at this year, because last year he played quite a bit of uh, innings. And I want to see how he holds up this year. Because you've got probably like four or five pitchers that pitched as much as he did last year. But the next year, it takes a while for those pitchers to get back. So that's going to be the big key for him is how he was able to rebound from last year, all those pitchers thrown. But if you if he's strong enough, and he can go into that sixth, seventh inning, game by game by game. He's just going to be a beast again, and I'll agree with you 100 percent as far as that Cy Young award goes. Yeah, he is just—I mean, it's just—it's amazing. And if you actually watch his delivery, you even wonder how he is like just so accurate. Because when he throws it, it's not even like he's looking at the batter's box. You know, you don't even know where he's looking at. So, I mean, that's. Yeah, his windup is, is is very unique and out of control, and yeah. you know it's just different. It's something that you you're not used to seeing, especially as a lefty. But you know he it was day one, so you know he had a sluggish start. Um, and you know me and Kwame made the reference. Um, you know the reason why he didn't go with Bumgarner as a side. Yeah, he was stating he's the best pitcher in baseball September and on, which I agree. Once it comes to the playoff time, Bumgarner is the best guy on the mound, no doubt about it. Or going into the, you know, going into the, your playoff series, playoff right. seating. Once well, he touches the mound, yeah. Once he touches the mound, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a done deal. And well, I think that's why. I mean, that's the biggest reason San Fran won last year was because of Bumgarner and putting that team on his shoulders and taking them as deep as they did and win the championship with them. Right, because yeah. if he wasn't able to go the innings he did during the playoffs last year. That would have been a different series. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and uh, it's funny. We talked about opening day and how big of a event it is. 
you talk to a lot of players, they hate opening day. Well, yeah, to them, I, I, I can I can see that. It's just like the first game of, you know, the NFL season. For that first kickoff, you know, you get judged off the first game so much. You can win the first game or lose, and it's like, oh, they don't, they're not going to make the playoffs this season. You know, they get judged so quick. It's so much praise over that first day. So, yeah, I do agree. It's it's too much. It's too – it's kind of like when LeBron James came out this season, first game in Cleveland. They had concerts out. Kendrick Lamar, the hottest names in music, was performing. TNT, ESPN was all over the coverage. And they didn't even tip the basketball up. The guy didn't even take a jump shot yet. It was just so much going on. And then with them taking a loss, it was, oh, Cleveland's not ready yet. You know, when they had runs throughout the game, it was like, this. they figured it out already. And then at the end of the game, with taking a loss, it's like, oh, they're not ready yet. But now look at them now. Um, exactly, going into the play. So, you know, yeah. What's, funny is, what's that? I know we're talking baseball, but mm-hmm. basketball, man. Look, the Phoenix Suns are in ninth or tenth spot now, right? If you look at their record, I'm they'd not be sure. like, I think, the third or fourth seed in the East right now. Yeah, that's how Yeah, that's how the NBA is. The best teams oh. are definitely in the West, and, you know, the East are trying to compete. But you know we we can get into that later. We we know the Suns. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Popped up. Right, right. We can get but into no, yeah, to all that nonsense. You're right, later. man. Opening day, everybody wants to come out there and judge you on your first play, and you know, in reality, I mean, you had spring training, but spring training is nothing like once the real game comes. Oh you yeah. Know, for the veterans, spring training is more. Of, let me get some of the rust off and go into it and have some fun. You know, show these young guys you know, what they have and stuff like that. And then right. it's going to take a day or two. But look at the difference between opening day and the, the games today and tonight. Mm-hmm. It's just a di- different atmosphere. It's not blown out of proportion. You're not decorating the stadium with these banners all around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a lot of pressure on the players. And like them, and they, a lot of them hate opening day because of the pressure that just comes with the exactly. you know, the aura and everything else. Because so. it, was, it was like a playoff crowd atmosphere. And oh, yeah. you know the players, they they I mean they they like it, but then they know at the same time, especially if you're not a winning team per se, like the Arizona Diamondbacks. If you're not known for winning lately, the attendance is going to go down. And you know, to their standpoint, it's like why even come out to this? Why even come to our first game? We know how y'all are. Y'all are fair weather fans. Y'all just doing it just because it's opening day. We got free food. We got new man. They made a new like Diamondback like. Churro, churro ice cream, man. That's a walking diabetes sandwich. Like, I did you get one? Hell, no, I did not get one. I mean, I actually did. Did I want one for sure? Yes. <laughs> Seen so many pictures and videos of people eating it. I'm like, damn, I want to get one. But at the same time, I mean, that thing was just full of sugar. It was just sugar on a stick, wrapped around with a donut. Like, your stomach was gonna be killing, especially with people that was drinking down there. I know they. I know they waking up today feeling it. Feeling every every single bite, so that's why I wanted to stay away from it at the end of the day as well. But they're gonna be selling it season, you know, all season. So I, one of these one of these games, you know, we're gonna go down there and I'm gonna grab me one for sure, maybe two. Been how hungry I am, but yeah, I mean, you you see all the you know these items coming out of nowhere, you know, hot dogs. They're just tossing hot dogs left and right, and you know that's just how it is. I guess you know opening day. I enjoy myself. You know, they, they argue about is opening day the best time of the year. You know, it's opening day or uh, around that time when the NFL season is 
kicking off with NBA and college basketball, all that's going on, you know, what's the best time of the year in sports? After experiencing that yesterday, because, you know, I never experienced it. So I always said, well, you know, the best time in sports to me is, you know, when NFL kicks off or yes, when they last couple of weeks when they're fighting for that uh, playoff position. I mean, that's just you, you guarantee you're locked into, you know, football. You're locked in front of your TV or trying to attend those games or, it, you know, the NBA finals. So that's the last couple of years. It's been great final games and uh, watching the best players in the world compete. You know, at the highest at the highest level, at the you know the hardest time. Even if LeBron them only win one game, it's LeBron James. Everybody tuned in to see what he's going to do in the championship round. So, I never experienced open day, opening day in baseball, and being around there, I think I could put that up there on that level. Do the players enjoy it? Hell no, probably not. Which I don't blame them at all. I don't blame them at all because tonight's attendance is going to you know really show who are the real fans, who are the fair weather fans. And you know who's just here just to be here, just say that they were there. You know, like hey, I was there for the for the first pitch. Great to see Randy Johnson. You know, great to see him getting his jersey retired as a as a D back. That's awesome. That's awesome for the state of Arizona. They need you know that face, something like that. So, I mean, it was a great all around experience though. You see a bunch of legends come back, even at a, um, to me, my favorite team of all time, baseball. You can hate me for this, but I, I surely don't care. I'm just keep loving this team. It's the Yankees, and their opening day I think is probably on a whole another level. It was a return of a Rod for sure. Got a lot of cheers, and you know he got a few boos, but it was great to see him back on the field. It's, it's great to see Alex Rodriguez in baseball playing in uniform and not wearing his other uniform that suit and tie he got comfortable with last season. So it, you know it's great to see him back in the Bronx and back playing baseball. They lost six to one. Yeah, they did. I mean, it's it's day one. It's it's they got a hundred and hundred million more games left to go. <laughs> but exactly, you know, it, it was great to see. You know, you you see Alex Rodriguez back. I know the Colorado Rockies. You can make a statement on them. They they had sixteen hits their first game out. Won ten to zero. Uh, oh yeah. You know the Tigers won four to zero, and David Price is is a beast. You know he came out throwing throwing heavy heat. The Boston Red Sox jump on the Phillies eight to zero. They, you know, it was. It's a great. It, it was a great all around deal. What's that? Uh, even that KC game, man, ten to one over the White Sox. Oh yeah, but oh KC, they they playing with a whole nother. They playing with a whole nother edge on their. They they playing with a whole nother mindset this season. They want to get back to where they're at with a young team like that who was aggressive last year. Remember, they went undefeated in the playoffs until the World Series against the uh, against the Giants and Bumgarner. He slowed that yeah. down quick, but you know you can't f- forget about the Royals. You know, I'm I'm excited to see them. One, I don't think they come to town. I don't think they come to Arizona this season. I think they play them at KC because uh, a couple of uh, fans were talking about it uh, in discussion. But you know, I I want I would love to go see that Royals team play. Because the energy that they played with last year in the playoffs, they made me a fan of baseball once again. You know, I, I keep up with baseball, but they made me, you know, turn back into a fan because every game that they played, I was tuned into it. And it was it was awesome. Well, and they, you know, like I remember the show when we were talking World Series, you know, I say the KC was kind of like that Cinderella team that hasn't been to the playoffs in X amount of years, kind of came from nowhere last season Get ready for them again this year. You know, it's not going to be a Cinderella team. Like, this team is for real. And those Royals, they will be back in the playoffs this year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They made a statement day one, you know, we're here. Don't forget about us because, you know, yesterday was was talking about predictions. And, you know, a lot of teams made a lot of movements in the offseason. Uh, you know, the guy with the Padres, they made a bunch of moves and getting it, um, Matt, Matt Kemp from, you know, the, the Dodgers. So, you know, we we had some predictions, predictions, you know, thrown out there. And, you know, I I, I predicted – the uh, the Giants are probably going to win it again, and you know Kwame made a statement, look out for the Padres, and I said, well, yeah, also look out for the Dodgers and Angels, but none of us, you know, really thought about the KC Royals and what they did last season and how they're going to build up off that. They're going to be around for you know quite a few years. They figured out that young core group. They're going to keep those guys intact together, and you know if they do, they're going to make a great run and at the uh, at the World Series year you know year after year. Where did after you know after day one for you? Where's your prediction of you know the World Series? Who do you see as World Series as Cy Young? Because we didn't get your input, your your prediction on it yesterday. So, what do you what do you feel is going to make that run? Or you know who is that team or who is that player to win like an MVP this season? Man, uh, let's go with teams first. National League, you know, man. It's, there's so many teams right now that, I mean, you got to go with San Fran because it's the players they've kept from last year's team and, you know, with Bumgarner. I mean, they're my favorite right now, but I've got probably about four or five that can potentially surpass San Fran, um, you know, because the Reds have a little squad. Granted, I'm a Reds fan, but um, if they can put everything together, they kind of started a little bit late last year. Um you know, since he's a team I would look at, even uh, the Mets and the Braves. But National League, I'll go at this point with the Giants, but put on record that there's a couple teams that I think can surpass them depending on what happens in injuries. But um, And then as far as... Who you predicting, man? <laughs> man, don't... don't, don't Who you predicting, man? No, we got we got a couple minutes. We got about a minute left. But, yeah. no, you made, League, you made I'm some great... You made some great points, though. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, the American League, I'll go with the Royals because I just think they've got uh-huh. that, that group's coming back again and they're going to play just like they did last year throughout the whole season. So Kansas City for the American League and uh, San Fran be a little revenge next year um, as far as last year. And then when we come from break, I'll give you my players. All right. I really think about that. You caught me off yeah. guard. No, I'm... <laughs> You're supposed to be always, you know, always have your guards up, man. Nah, uh, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. Coming up after the break, we'll finish up on Doug predictions. Also, some NFL news and NBA news that's going around. Uh, it's Taco Tuesday. You listen to Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. 
Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to Quantum Lasseter Sports Talk Show. Live in studio, Demi Lache, Dougie B's here on the lines. We entering our last segment of the day. We just were discussing uh, some of Doug's predictions, definitely on uh, the MLB season and his prediction of the, who will be in the World Series. And now we get to hear about his MVP talks in the game of baseball. So who you predicting, man? Who you got? I'm going to start with Cy Young. And if, uh, if Kershaw doesn't get it again this year, mm-hmm. then my second time. I'm going with Kershaw again. Um, he has a lot of pressure on him this season, by the way. Oh, a, a ton of pressure. I think that whole Dodgers organization definitely put a lot of pressure on themselves, you know, because they got Howie Kendrick, you know, um, this offseason, Jimmy Rollins, and, you know, they, they traded away Matt Kemp or gave away Matt Kemp last season for sure. And, you know, Kershaw, I, I, I like your pick, you know, to go back to your point, my bad to cut you off, but he is definitely – the man, I think, with the most pressure in baseball this season, for him to win in the playoffs, him and maybe, maybe Mike Trout, and I would, I would say them too for the most pressure, maybe Alex Rodriguez too, um, but definitely Kershaw has a lot to put on his shoulders this season. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him, but if it's not Kershaw, my second choice runner up would be uh, Bumgarner if he can stay in form from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be at least for the National League. American League a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like uh, seeing if he can win it again. I mean, he can't can't forget about Kluber with the Indians. Um, I mean, that boy had a two four uh, was a two forty four ERA last year. I mean, going eighteen and nine. Uh, I don't see anybody right now with the American League besides him. Um, I mean that boy can that boy can pitch, so that'd be my my AL prediction is Corey Kluber. An MVP. You know what, man? 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, this is a stretch. Uh huh. But for some reason, I think I see Gold uh, Goldschmidt coming out this year. Who? Paul Goldschmidt. First oh, for the D-back. Goldschmidt. Come on, come on, Doug. Stop being a stop <laughs> being a hometown hero. No, but look, he got injured the last part of the year, and Doug. that threw the D-backs off. Doug. The D-backs were thrown off from the year before. They have a long way to go. La- I mean, last night game. I tell you, last I night's you game. Stretch, right? What's that? I told you that's my stretch. Man, that's you. You. you <laughs> I don't even know if I would consider that a stretch. That's just a. That's a. That looks like a goal, like <laughs> a long-term goal. Um, <laughs> long-term goal. But I mean, no disrespect to the Diamond Diamondbacks. Organization, they have you know a bunch of new guys in, in standpoint, and you know um, new management intact and new coaching. So we'll see. Um, last night game, you know, showed a lot of fire behind the D backs. They, you know, I'm they're in a hard division, tough division. Um, you had the World Series champs in your own division, so it's you know you play the champions more than anyone else besides who else in that you know in your division, whatever. You're gonna see them more often, so you're playing against the best, and you got to compete against the best. You have to beat the best, so it could bring a lot of motivation. And you know, last night game, I actually seen you know some some fight in the Diamondbacks. You know, last year they would just you know give up or run out. I don't know if it was because it was day one and you know opening day, but they, I saw some fight in them, especially in the eighth inning. You know, they had a couple runs that came in late. And they had a chance to tie the ball game where they had a score and runner position. But um, uh, who, who was his name? I think his name like Romo. He you know struck out the last uh, one of the one of the hitters for the D backs, and it was just like, oh man, that was like their last you know shot before the bottom of the ninth. And you knew by then the game was over. The crowd was leaving. Uh, they were trying to beat that traffic because Ariana Grande, like I was saying off the record, she was performing last night as well. So downtown was They're incredible. Break free out of downtown. Downtown was incredible. It was kids everywhere. In adults, but, but no, I see. Uh, get back really quick. Thought Goldsmith. Like that was that was a stretch. It, that was a stretch. I, I a stretch but I, I would go with Mike Trout again. Mike Trout, yeah. And now he has a lot of pressure on himself as well. You know, we talked about that uh, with him and Kershaw. I think Mike Trout definitely has to put a lot on his shoulders if they if they intend to make the playoffs again and you know win in the playoffs. Uh, the Dodgers are, you know, they. They always had ability to reload, and they look strong as ever as well. Jimmy Rollins got off with a home run, you know, off day one. So uh, if Kershaw could definitely – they could take this team that they have into the playoffs and actually win in the playoffs when it matters, look out for the Dodgers. You know, they I think they're the uh, Vegas favorite to win the World Series. So we'll see. Um, some NFL news that came out around the Valley for sure. Uh, like so the talks of Patrick Peterson coming out saying um, he realized he was playing football, the game of football, uh, with diabetes. And, you know, yeah. that's a serious issue, which, you know, we gave um, Patrick Peterson so much crap after signing that $70 million deal and playing like he was only had about $15 million in his pocket. But, uh, he did come out saying that he was battling diabetes and he's treating it now. And, you know, that had a lot to do with his play last season, which, you know, I, I praise him for coming out, you know, letting the public know. And 
that, that's, that's very tough to play with. Very tough to have that on your mind. Not just to have, you know, in your system or, you know, you're feeling sick one day, feeling healthy the, the next, but just to have it on your mind and not really, like, using it as an excuse and not bringing it to the table. I mean, I, I praise him for that. And I hope, you know, I hope this passes through and, you know, he can build on and get rid of this thing for the time being and treating it well for him, not only for, you know, uh, for the Cardinals organization, but for him and for the rest of his life, you know, for him to I hope he gets over that for sure. Well, what did he just kick up last year? Because the year before his rookie year, he played lights out. And that's my only thing is I don't I, – and don't get me wrong. I mean, the diabetes is definitely not something to play around with. And I hope you're saying all the well that you get to know the wraps and no complications from it. But there's two seasons he's played in the NFL. Last year, we all know we've talked about it. And then the year before that, when he played lights out. So did it really have an effect? Is this an excuse that he's using to try to mitigate the fact that he wasn't at his top form last year? It's, you know, I mean, it's hard to say. And, and I hope it's just not an excuse, but. That's kind of honestly when I read about that. That's the first thing I kind of thought in my mind was, was this just your excuse now for last year? Mm-hmm. Because diabetes just usually doesn't pop up. I mean, I'm sure he's had it maybe a couple of years at least now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so but we'll see. I mean, he, he's come out. He's publicly let it known I have diabetes. I believe that was what you know some of the issues were last year. So we'll see because if he changes back to his old form, mm-hmm. well. All right, maybe it was. But if not, don't use that excuse against something else that's going on or, you know, just, I don't know, it's just it's a hard topic, man, because, you know, it's a health issue and you don't want to down a guy because of a health issue. But if it's truly a health issue, we'll keep it as a health issue. But if it's an excuse, well, come on, man. You know? Right, right, absolutely. So, and, you know, I, I agree with that standpoint. I hope it's not a, you know, excuse. Because that's the first, I'm not going to lie, that's one of the things that popped up in my head was, well, come on, Pat. We we know you didn't have a great season. You know, we know you did not live up to your Pro Bowl status as, you know, you were grand, granted that last season. And, you know, for him to say, yeah, I, it's a diabetic issue. Um, you know, he never, it never occurred until during the season, last last season, and he kept it under wraps and, now he, you know, letting the public know, um, you know, that he was pretty much sick, which, you know, that has a lot to do with your blood and, you know, having that high blood pressure in your system. So I can understand, you know, playing at a high level of football, it, it probably can irritate you. And you can probably have, like I said, you wake up one day feeling amazing, next day you're feeling pretty terrible. But now that he put this out there, it should be no more excuses of, giving up so many dang dang on deep touchdown throws and um, letting guys get off for you like Julio Jones did for like 10 catches, 200 yards, and a couple touchdowns. You know, with that being taken care of, now I'm ready to see the real Patrick Peterson come to the table, come to the standpoint. Like, I'm ready to see it now. Because I haven't seen it the last couple of seasons. You put it out there, PP, now let's get it going. Exactly. Uh, especially because diabetes, you can keep that under wrap now. Now that you've been diagnosed, right, right. There's all the stuff that you can do to control it. So, and, like and, you said, mm-hmm. there's no excuse now. Mm-hmm. And like you made statements before, the the state of Arizona had the best sports doctors in the country. So, 
Believe yeah. me, they'll take care of it. LaShawn McCoy talked about Chip Kelly and how he does not respect, does not like or respect star-type players. You know, when I, when I seen this came across my phone, I think it came up at the time on one of my timeline things on Twitter, you know, that whole nonsense. And, you know, when I read this, I was like, wow, you know what? I think it, it makes sense because I start to think back and day back to Chip Kelly days back at Oregon where he was not recruiting four-star, five-star stars out of high school into right. Oregon's system because Oregon is predicated off of two-star, three-star athletes and just making them right. look, you know, you, you made them look like they were four- or five-star prospects, but, you know, they, they weren't the fastest, they weren't the quickest, they weren't the biggest, you know, weren't the strongest, but he had a system where they can look as strong or they can – fit and look as quick, and then you get to a national championship game or a big bowl game, and you can't win that game against, you know, that Ohio State-type team, the the Alabamas, the you know, these big-tier teams, big, you know, prestige programs where they take those star players, where they can condone them, where they, you know, can shape these guys right. And then, you know, but then you lose to these teams. And then Chip Kelly, same deal I see it happening in Philadelphia. He's getting rid of... Last season, this started off with Deshaun Jackson. Now this season, trading away LaShawn McCoy, which was crazy because he was the season NFL leading rusher a year before. Had a bad, had an off season this season, and then got rid of him. And not only him, Jeremy Macklin as well. Jeremy Macklin just came off a, a a leg injury coming back to playing on the field this past season, and then you let him go as well. So he's really bringing in that that Oregon type system where he's going to believe in guys. You know, I don't need the top player. I can win with, you know. Yeah, you probably can win a couple of ball games, but I don't think Super Bowl is intact. Does he really believe no. he is going to win a Super Bowl? Not at all. And Chip Kelly's going to have a he's going to have a rude awakening coming up. You can't. This is the NFL. This is the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme. You need those star players on your team if you want to win a Super Bowl. You need by in college so far with the speed and stuff like that because not every team goes out for speed so you can beat some teams on speed but when it comes to the NFL this is not college this is just big dogs and if you don't have those stars you're not going to win I feel for the Raiders it's yeah it's not about just having the stars it's when you have a star you have to because regardless whoever stands out on this new Philadelphia Eagles team whatever they put together I mean, they had DeMarco Murray. He's the NFL leading rusher. He's a star player coming to your team. So, therefore, you have to learn how to control that as a head coach. In my standpoint, yeah, you got a, you got million-dollar you know, uh, athletes walking around in your, in your system. You got to learn how to control that. And if you shy away from it, if you're scared, it's not going to work out for you in the long run. You're not going to win championships. That's my You better respect your stars. Yeah, respect your star. Yeah, respect your star players. Those are the guys who, you know. So what? They might say a little too much in the media after a game or after you know some nonsense is going on. But at the same time, those are the guys who's scoring the touchdowns. Those are the guys who are making third down stops. So uh, I think Chip Kelly is scared and he's shying away from you know star power, and it's not it's not going to look well for you at the end of the day. Unfortunately, we are out of time today. Uh, appreciate Dougie B. You calling in under your under your wraps, under your own situations, and uh, appreciate you calling in on the show. Uh, Demery Lachey, Dougie B here on the line. Uh, we will be back taking a break tomorrow. We'll be bit, well, we we will be back Thursday. Uh, 
and uh, yeah. I'll be back here live in studio as well. So um, you listen to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you Thursday. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>